Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah, it's Thank God I'm Atheist, the podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Dan. Coming up on today's episode, we've got an interview with Dr. Daryl Ray. He was in studio with us yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We recorded a little interview. He was, he's, um, he's, he's an author. He's a, he, Yeah. He, he writes things. written. And he's a psychologist. He's a, yeah, clinical psychologist and yes. all, all sorts of other interesting things about him. Yeah. So we'll be getting to that. Later. Indeed we will. In the show. Yeah. Um, up first, of course, we have our, our normal rundown of... Of, of the of, news. Of the news. The news of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is what we like to do. Woo! Okay. You told me before the show that I have to keep my energy up. Yeah, so that's I'm true. I'm trying. I'm trying. You had a bit of a bash last night. Well, yeah. it's uh, We celebrated my birthday. Yeah. And I, uh, I kind of tied one on. <laughs> As as one does yeah. when it's one's birthday, yeah. and so uh, <laughs> boy, howdy, I'm 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 kind of hurting at the oh. moment. So my oh. voice, my I think my voice even sounds a little different to me. Oh really? Does it sound different to you? Not a little, noticeably. A little, little deeper, maybe. Maybe. A little, a little raspier somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, a little more hungover. Oh yeah. Anyways, <laughs> all right. Well, Dan. Yeah. You heard about that fresco lady, right? You know what I'm talking about in uh, in Spain in the the Spanish uh, um, Cecilia Jimenez <laughs> in a uh, uh, little little town in Spain who yeah, decided you should, you should remind our listeners though. yeah who decided she that she was going to um, touch up a fresco. In the little local church. It was looking shabby. It was looking a little shabby, but, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm sitting I'm looking at the thing, you know, what it was supposed to look like. What Which it, was Jesus. Did it look like? It was Jesus. Looking all sad. He's and kind of looking off to the he's side got the a little bit. Crown of thorns. Up, up toward heaven. Yeah. His gaze is, is lifted toward heaven. It's, it's a but holy he, gaze. He's, yeah. He's kind of just, his neck is kind of bent in mm. a weird way. Well, anyways, she decided that she was going to spruce it up. Mm. Right. She knew that the church was going to be spending like a lot of money to, uh, in the near future <laughs> to be doing some, some touch up. And he, if I remember right in the story, they were letting her do a little touch up of like his, some of the, the frescoes, but like the clothing. Oh, okay. Right? Wait, I wasn't that how it I went? I don't know. I didn't know you okay. that part. She wasn't supposed to touch the face. <laughs> um, and Why though? People have, Why? have, have, I don't know. They, she, they've. She's clearly qualified. Yeah. He, <laughs> Jesus ends up looking like, I think somebody called it uh, a baboon or a, Yeah, it's kind uh, of, it's, it's like Ernie the Muppet, <laughs> only like less defined. Yeah. The, the, the crown of thorns <laughs> seems to have been replaced with just hair. Who knows? Yeah. Just, a, just brown. Yeah. Lots of brown. He's kind of, yeah, there's... He's the gaze that was looking up toward heaven is now kind of staring creepily at you <laughs> because she has no, no skill. Anyways, oh you've probably God. seen it. You've probably seen this thing. It's hysterical. It's, it's really funny. If you haven't it's become, we'll probably put it up on our website or something. We'll, oh yeah. We'll yeah, throw something we, up we there. We totally should. Um, it has become sort of a sensation. And actually what's <laughs> happened is people are going to this little town now just to see this this <laughs> massacred 19th century fresco. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and actually, um, the, the church has started collecting, um, some, some money from, from the people who are oh, coming to visit. Right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, as you would. 
in the neighborhood of like uh, two thousand euros. Oh, so like twenty six hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, she wants a piece of the action. (laughs) She wants her cut. She feels like she has. She has helped put this town on the map. It was her work. That she did. She's like 80 plus years old. Right. Right? Like this old woman <laughs> is like, hey, I need some of that money. That money's mine. That is. I did that for you. That is so brilliant. <laughs> that, it's like, yeah, it's pure balls. Oh, this it's woman. Yeah. Just pure balls. She, she is just going to. She, yeah. <laughs> She's going to go places. <laughs> this, that she, is, she is going places. That's for sure. <laughs> It's that uh, it's that whole thing of, um, you know, I don't know. There, there are these people in the world who are who are terrible at what they're purporting to do, <laughs> and amazing at like be having the balls to ask for money for it. Oh yeah, well she's hired lawyers to help her with this. <laughs> right? So and here's like, who's this lawyer? Right? Yeah. Oh. Apparently, Spanish lawyers is just as big of big of assholes as American. Right, lawyers. right, because right. Because whoever this guy or woman is, it's just like, yeah, okay, He's I'll like, help you get some of that money. Were you injured in an accident? Did you accidentally do ruin a painting and and and, by, and resulted in more interest in the in the church? Come to me. Yeah. Dial one eight hundred Juan the lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Anyways, yeah. so so yeah, kind of uh, awesome actually. And you know the way that these things go, you know she'll get something. Yeah, they'll settle. I, yeah, just to make her go away. Yeah, she will get something, and she. I don't know. Does she deserve it? She's the one that 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 created this thing. I mean, frankly, what would be brilliant is if they actually, like, if some if some other church somewhere figured out a different way to replicate this same kind of idea mm. without without actually doing exactly the same thing because then obviously it wouldn't work but like you know something something new has that they choose to do and then they well, they engineer this situation yeah i think it's pretty sick because she she was trying to help out right <laughs> she was trying to help she was trying to help save them the church some money, yeah. and then the church makes money. She wants she wants part of the cut. So I think I don't think she deserves it at all. No, of course not. Um, she ruined a lovely painting, and now she's asking for money. Yeah, I mean, come on, lady. Yeah. Um, what she should do is she should set up if she wants to make money off this. She should have a little cart with T-shirts. Yeah. Out front, or, or she should or... pose with people. <laughs> she should pose with the tourists. Five dollars. I'm thinking. Opposing. I'm thinking. You, you go all over Europe and you, in the towns, town squares, and the touristy places, you see guys doing portraitures, like or caricatures of people. Oh, I think she's a natural. I think you got to set up a like a, a an easel. She builds up an easel portrait. Yeah, <laughs> she'll do a picture of you. Oh, she could make more than two thousand euro doing that. Absolutely. Oh my god. Oh, she could. She could break it in. Who, I, who wouldn't I, want their picture done by her? I would pay at least 50 euro. Yeah, totally. If not more, actually. Yeah. Like, if I was in that little town. You hang that on your wall, that is a conversation piece for life. <laughs> for She life. makes you look like a baboon. Yeah, she makes you look like Edvard Munch meets the Muppets, and then you're, uh, and boom. <laughs> she, could, she could probably whip those things out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's amazing. 
Oh, that's amazing. So here's a here's, you know, we got a lot of balls on the show today. Really, a lot of people getting real ballsy. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what's yours? So I got a couple. I'll okay. start with this one. Um, okay, a bunch of pastors. Now you're aware that the law, uh, our current law, states that. Uh, if you're a 501c3, if you are a nonprofit organization, which all religions in this country are, yes, you are not allowed to take strong political stances. You're not allowed, or you're, you're not allowed to preach like about like religions. A religion can't get a, a you guy can't, can't get over the candidate, right? You can't endorse a candidate, yeah. get over the pulpit, whatever. And you, I don't even think you're supposed to like take a side on like propositions and no. that kind of stuff. No, nope, you're not supposed to do any of that stuff. Even though and, and we you, know people do. And the idea is that you risk losing your nonprofit status if you do. Mm-hmm. That's according to a law that was written in like 1953 or something. Rightly like so. Yeah, it does seem like that, it, that there is good reason for that law. Well, if you are... Here's the deal. You're, you are not paying taxes... As right. a nonprofit, right? You, you, the, 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 our society is saying that that you provide a benefit large enough with that money that you're bringing in that you should not have to give money to the government. You're not participating in the society in that in in the in the monetary way. You're participating in in a in a in a uh, community way. Exactly, yeah. and and by definition, um, these these entities are. Um, are actually sort of belong they belong to the public right because of that because yep. of that that benefit that the that the government has has extended they uh they they belong to all of us yeah and uh and and uh because of that since it belongs to all of us you can't go around preaching uh, politics right it's exactly. only fair it's exactly. only fair and if you want to preach politics you're allowed to but you can't not pay taxes exactly you then to- you then you have to pay into <clears throat> the system Yep. If you want to participate fine. in that way, if you want to be political, fine. And that's the trade-off. Yeah, that's fine. Well, it's not fine to a bunch of pastors who are all ganging up <laughs> to participate in what they're What's calling there? Pulpit Freedom Sunday. Pulpit Freedom from the Pulpit Sunday? I wish. <laughs> no. <laughs> October the 7th of this year, uh, a conservative group uh, alliance defending free... Oh, the conservative group Alliance Defending Freedom. <laughs> alliance? Okay. Uh, they, they have... They have uh, they're going to have a protest. And what they're going to do is a bunch of pastors are actually going to make political statements. And they, the thing is, and this kills me, they did this last year. They've done this before. Oh, really? They make political statements over the pulpit. Then they send the statements to the IRS. They send audio recordings of these political what? statements to the IRS and basically say, I dare you. You're kidding. And the IRS is doing what? Zero. Absolutely nothing. Well, we need to get on that. Right? It does yeah. seem like that's, a, that's an important thing. Now, you and I probably don't have the clout to really enact any make anything happen hey irs well but we're (laughs) we're citizens of this country we are indeed we We, can uh we we should start one of those uh petitions or whatever change.org or whatever it's called yeah Hmm. uh so anyway yeah they're not um they're not doing anything about it so far but they uh but hope i one would hope that this year i mean it's now getting publicity so but what they're hoping for, they they want to be to be led into a, uh, a lawsuit is what right. is what they want. That looked extremely difficult, Dan. It was. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
<laughs> Sorry to interrupt your train of That's thought. That's okay. But you were doing a I was trying to fine job interrupting it yourself. It yeah. took a while to say. Okay. Anyways, Dan had to plug in his laptop and that just <laughs> took forever. It just made everything so <laughs> difficult. How's, Anyways, how's your laptop doing? Is it, my laptop's fine. Okay. I, so I, we, we traded our, our, our power source. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. All right. Anywho, so yeah, I just think that's crazy. They're trying. Yeah. They're trying to get this loss a lawsuit going yeah. because they well, think I mean, that's they think it's unconstitutional to allow to to not allow them to make political statements on matters on issues that matter to them, like some kind of freedom of speech thing. Yeah, it's I an interesting they're, they're, argument. Yeah, but they've chosen to be limited. Yeah, I, they, I, they, they, I don't they've, know. They've entered a bargain with. It, they've entered into a bargain with the government, and part of that bargain is by getting by having that that privilege right. of being. T- because here's here's what's crazy is they feel so incredibly entitled yeah. to to being uh, a tax free organization. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they, they feel entitled to that. They feel they, they become to... so comfortable with that. No, that's something that the government has given them. And I personally, we've talked about this before. Neither of us agree that that, that religion should be getting that. Right. Exactly. I, I, there's no reason for a religion to be getting that kind of preferential treatment. No. I mean, frankly, well, the question is, what do we think about five hundred one c three? What do we think about nonprofit organizations in general? Um, what is the purpose? Why do we, as a society, not tax any any of the, the like? Why do we offer this this uh, designation? Because there are things that need that, that that need to happen in our in our society. Yeah, right. Um, that the government uh, does not want to be in the business of. Sure, um, but the, the government wants to support. And so Indeed. arts organizations, um, charities, um, the kind of place that I used to work at, right. which was an after-school program, you know, all, all these kind of things being nonprofit, um, that, that they, they, they provide such a benefit to society. to society. Now, here's the flip side. I think that, um, that it gives a lot of power to the wealthy. Mm. Their issues are the ones that receive attention, right? Not the ones that we, the the democratic people, the 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 the, the, the force of our democracy, the people, do not actually make these choices and do not say what 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 where our priorities should be as a society. It's the wealthy people. So, in the state of Utah, for example, we have John Huntsman Senior, who has decided to build an incredible cancer hospital, right? That was his priority. Right. And so it's a great benefit. It's wonderful. But he had the money. He built it. Right. And, and that's what got attention. So what and you're it's saying. It's a worthy cause. And so it's a right. good one. Right. right. So what, but what you're saying is that, is that, you know, 501c3s, nonprofit organizations in general are beholden to donors. They are. Yeah. And so who are, he who has the most donors wins. And so and you have to kind of sell yourselves to them. Yep. And it, you have to find wealthy people who agree with your issue and your cause. Right. And if you don't, then your thing doesn't go forward. Right. And there are other ways to fund a nonprofit. You, there are government grants. There are, I mean, sure. there, 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 there are ways of, of, of doing it. You could, but the government grants become, it in a way, the government know, like, grants become hugely problematic because, uh, you know, if some, if, you know, a Senator sponsors a grant for, or, or if a grant goes out to someone that's controversial, Suddenly you got this big hullabaloo, you know, if, if that, oh, what was his name? 
Remember you mean the, like like um, like the the artist the, who all oh, the NEA type stuff. Yeah, all of that sort of thing. All of those yeah. things. It it becomes trouble, and then and then the NEA becomes a lightning rod. A lightning rod. Yeah. So it's all very it's all a very so tricky weird. It is tricky. Situation. I like the fact that we that we do have five hundred one c threes in this country. Mm. I, I do. Th- I'm, I'm my whole little rant there is not to to say that we should not have them, but there is a real risk sure um in by 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 structuring our our system that way and you know and, and i think that, that, that it's also um the government has thrown off a lot of responsibility to the nonprofit sector right such as working with the homeless and providing services for the homeless absolutely that's something that the government has just completely shirked 100% because that's and there have been socialism <laughs> That's goddamn communism. But but there are five hundred one c threes that that jump in right, and but, but and they're so small, they're so they're meager, small. and it's hard and to a, you know. A lot of these organizations are going to be getting money from the government sure. to run those organizations, in addition to the money that they're raising at benefits sure. and you know. But cap, the, but the know. other trick about that is that it's not scalable. You know what they you know they cap out. At some point, these these organizations. We're well, asking. I mean, you have the United Way, which is huge, and you, I mean, you do have a lot of nonprofits that are right. But what I, what I'm cross, saying is, you know, what I'm saying is that, like, you know, you get a if if the government were to, were doing this, mm-hmm. then as need aro- as need rises, government help can rise. Sure. If it's just you know, if if it's like, if it's only left to our nonprofit world, uh-huh. as need rises, maybe. There, you know, more, there will be more, uh, more donation, right. you know, if, if, you know, if Haiti has problems or if, if, if there's a hurricane Katrina or whatever, right. But apparently hurricane, what was the recent hurricane? Uh, Isaac or something, something like, like that. Yeah. Apparently they're not getting much money at all for, 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 for help like FEMA for type stuff or what? No, I mean like, like, like private donations. Oh really? Yeah. They're just not, ca- it just didn't capture the imagination of the American people the way that, right. The way that, uh, Katrina did. That, that is the risk. That and is suddenly, the yeah. Risk. So, yeah. Of, so of it's a, it's a problematic, problem. uh, it's complicated. It is. There's com- no perfect system. No, there isn't. Unless you move to Canada. Well, <laughs> or uh, unless you just put the church in charge. Oh, see, why don't they do that? <laughs> why don't we just have faith based? If God were running everything, you know, it would it, be a lot better, right? Well, George W. Bush talked all the time about a faith based system of of helping the homeless and helping other people and blah blah blah. Yeah, I've we just seen need that a, in action. No, we just need it's a faith faith based government. Yeah, like Iran. There's this uh, minister that shows up back behind uh, the road home mm-hmm. uh, once a week. Uh, and he sets up the road home's a, a local uh, uh, yeah, sorry. homelessness uh, uh, helping. Yeah, it's a, it's a shelter. Yeah, it's a, it's a family shelter. Um, and uh, anyways, I used to work right across the street from it, and uh, and so I would I would see this mm-hmm. once a week. This guy would show up with his his van. He put up a little PA thing. Folding tables came out, and he put food out, and da 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 da. And the homeless would start to congregate around. Right. And then he would start preaching. Yay! So the the deal was you had to sit there. Listen to his his preaching, pray with him, and then you can have some food. And then you can have some food. It it always just disgusted me. <laughs> yeah, it's like gross. it's it's really super gross to to subject people who do not, may not 
have the same worldview and right. beliefs as you. Some of but them may we'll sit there and be captive audiences because they're hungry. Because you've got food and, and they you don't. Have food. Yep. It's, 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 really it's like all of those images of people going to Haiti after the, that horrible earthquake mm. with Bibles. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. Take food, asshole. Well, you have to feed the spirit. The spirit. The spirit needs nutrition, too. Yeah. Well, needs nu- uh, not nutrition. What is the word I'm looking for? Spirit needs anyway. sustenance or Susten- something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Go on. Boy, we really went off on something. We we ranted a little bit. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah. Wow. Um, did you know that religious intolerance is on the rise internationally? <laughs> it Throughout does, the world. This does seem like it's it's plausible. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you plausible on that. You think so? Yeah. Okay. All right. What is it? What What do you got? Well, Pew... Uh, has uh, released a uh, new study that uh, it's it's their uh, it's Pew's forum on religion and public life, right? And they looked at uh, which they should just call in the pews or something. <laughs> and play on. Oh, the word that would pew. be fun. See? Yeah. See what but, I did? Yeah, Dan, I like that. <laughs> okay. Um, that uh, three quarters of the world uh, lives in countries with, uh, high government restrictions on religion or social high social hostilities involving religion. Do they, do they count our country as one of those? We went from low to moderate. Yeah. Yep. And in just a, um, the number jumped from where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, I can't remember what the span of time was, but here's really, really interesting. Um, during the last year that they studied, the U S moved from the low to, yeah. Okay. Um, and then here's, here's just a big thing that I want to read from it real quick in the year ending in mid 2010, there was an increase in the number of incidents in the U S at the state and local level in which members of some religious groups faced restrictions on their ability to practice their faith. This included incidents in which individuals were prevented from wearing certain religious attire Mm -hmm. or symbols, including beards in some uh, judicial settings or in prisons, penitentiaries or, uh, other correctional facilities is where a lot of this happened. Oh yeah. Um, some religious groups in the U S also face difficulties in obtaining zoning permits to build or expand houses of worship, religious schools right. or other religious institutions. The U S also experienced an increase in social hostilities involving religion during the same period. A key factor behind the increase was a spike in religious related terrorist attacks, uh, in the U S. Yeah. The increase also reflects a rise in the number of reported religious or religion-related workplace discrimination complaints. So, on the rise in the U.S., um, religious intolerance. Yeah. And we've talked about a number of these. The the Murfreesboro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mosque. Mosque, yep. The, uh, the, the, uh, the so-called Ground Zero Mosque. Oh, yeah. Which was, yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, it, it's... It's how it's how we've allowed our dialogue to to degrade. That's yeah. the real problem here. Yeah, because you know if 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 some some foreign elements mm-hmm. run planes into buildings, right? That's that's outrageous, and and it hurts all of us, and we all hurt from that, right? But if we allow our dialogue to say, well, this is a product of Islam. Right. All Islam is like this. Right. And then we and then and then we allow the dialogue to look like, well, 
this is a Christian nation and we're a Christian country and we're based on Judeo-Christian values. And if we allow that kind of dialogue, yeah, we're, it breeds intolerance. The more yeah. sure people are of their own position, the less tolerant they're going to be of everybody else's. And right. it's, yeah, and, 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 and shut up. Yeah. All you guys. Yeah. All, all you intolerant people. The truth is, what's, what's ironic about this is that people would accuse us of being religiously intolerant. Yeah. No, I, well, people would, it would it'd be inaccurate. Yeah. I think it would be inaccurate. I think we, we don't, li- I don't like religion. No, I mean, I don't tolerate it. Right. And I would be more than half. I would be thrilled if all the religions vanished from the face of the earth. However, <laughs> while until that point, uh-huh. we're totally good. We're, that, we don't have a problem. I mean, we're not, we're not. Big causing rock, trouble yeah big rock candy mountain type dreams right there <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah totally yeah <laughs> that, that'll be the day my, man my breath is not held <laughs> let's just put it that way <laughs> oh boy well yeah yeah people, people so are... it's interesting and obviously you know as i i think that it is really important for us and the, the, you know this is this is kind of this is the thing that we preach right yeah um is 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 the importance as atheists to to kind of figure out our our position in the in the world and how we and how we're going to deal with our religious neighbors right and the thing is it's not like we're going to convert everybody from being religious i i don't even think that that's the point no so uh, so knowing that that we will have religious neighbors yeah let's foster like an open society yeah. one that accepts everybody well, I, as we would like to be accepted. It goes, it goes back to that email that we that we received from I can't remember who it was now. I'm just bringing this up where he helped the the old woman with mm. her shopping cart. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And and you know that's exactly the kind of thing. You know, there's this little old woman who lives uh, next door to the place that, that Brent and I are going to be moving into, mm-hmm. and um, and she is as Mormon as can be. Right. But we're going to be good neighbors to her. Of course you are. You know? And she's probably going to be a great, cute, old woman neighbor. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So... Lady lives next door to us. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Which is great. Like, the point point is, the dialogue needs to be about inclusion, Uh not about who's right and who's wrong. Right. And how do we include people? And how... And frankly, you won't have terrorism if, if the dialogue is about inclusion. If the question is, well, shoot, these, uh, these, you know, there's a whole bunch of Muslim guys who are feeling totally disaffected by our society. Mm-hmm. How do we include them? Yeah. Suddenly, they're not going to be as disaffected. Nobody wants to blow up a building full of people that has included them. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then, Dan, it's really weird because terrorism um, in the in the Islamic world. Um, does tend to come from the middle class. Yeah. And and that's what's really strange is that it's it, this is not something that's seeping up from the people who were disadvantaged. Right. These are people who for political reasons are are being lured in. But it's not just political reasons. I will or point religious out, reasons, yeah. Or religious reasons. I will point out that the most of the people that do what looks like terrorism from here most mm-hmm. of our homegrown guys you get your timothy mcveigh's and your uh sure. you know the guy that went into batman movie the uh, in in colorado have you seen a picture of him lately by the way no there's one on the internet that popped up and i was just like whoa dude yeah. is crazy right anyways but my point is that these guys aren't 
are are mostly middle class as well. Uh-huh. Educated. Yeah, isn't it crazy? It's de- but I still think you know our dialogue shouldn't be about how to, you know how it I mean there needs to be conversation about gun control. There needs to be conversation about all of these things. But also we need to have a conversation about like how did we as a society fail these guys? Mm. And not include them in so much that they feel like like this is an okay thing to go out and do this. And maybe there's a psychopathy there that, that we couldn't have helped. Mm. But, you know, we need to ask these questions. That's all I'm trying to get at. Okay, let's start asking, Dan. <laughs> ask okay. that question. Start asking that question, I think, I, I think I just did. No, that didn't feel like you asking the question. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just just took, take what I just said and turn it into a question just, for yourself. Yeah, ask, your, ask yourselves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I got a, here's, an, here's an interesting thing. Uh, speaking of guns and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, an LDS apostle, Dallin Oaks, who's, oh, a, who's yeah. a, he's a, he's a big guy. He's er, not big. Yeah, he's, kind of, he's a large man. But, but he's also just a, a, a honcho. <laughs> Up yeah. to the Mormons. I'd say he was probably like a good 6'3", wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, really? He was a big I dude, I think. I don't think I've ever met the guy. I think he was kind of broad-shouldered. Mm. Kind of big, burly big, old fella. Bur- yeah. Okay. Anyway, he uh, he said something interesting. He um, he was doing a, a, what do you call it? A regional uh, conference. He was there, sure. Yeah. Okay. And 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 it was being broadcast to a bunch of places from BYU's campus. Mm. And one of the things he started talking about was he said he warned Mormons against joining or supporting quote right wing groups who mistakenly apply prophecies about the last days to promote efforts to form paramilitary or other organizations. Has this been an issue in the Mormon community? I think so. Really? I think it's starting to be an issue. What? Yeah. Like, like, I think guys, they're, they're a little like military, like paramilitary groups cropping up within Mormonism. What? Yeah. I knew what, I knew a guy who, uh, who was Mormon and had a, a gun safe full of assault rifles and and he (laughs) was multiple. Yeah. Like, and, and of the same kind. Like no, I think, I think he had, he had a, he had a, he had a collection collection. of, of, of guns, but I mean, like. And I asked him, so do you hunt? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> and I was like, well, what's yeah, it for? Like, and, of course, it's very telling that it's in that it, this gun safe is in the same room downstairs as their food storage. You are kidding me. Mm-mm. Oh, that's amazing. So, I mean, I mean the, and, then, well, and that's, well, this wait is the thing. Second. I think we need to, like, actually spell something out for a lot of our listeners, which is that Mormons are encouraged to keep one year of food storage. A full year. A full year. It used to be three years. Nobody did it. It used to. It well, was, before that, it was a 72-hour 70, kit. Everybody was really encouraged to have like 72 hours worth of food. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then it started to get crazier and crazier. Yeah. But anyways, it's one year. Yeah. And so there's this whole little industry. Oh, yeah. In Utah of like prepping food. Yeah. And and, and having food prepared and and you purchase it in these these tin... and barrels big, and big, big barrels things. and things. Yeah. So you can have your wheat. Yeah. Which you can then, and then there's like hand cranked mills. Uh, mills that yeah. you can make flour yeah. out of your wheat. Oh and my gosh. Mormons know how to do sugar, this, people. Get your, yeah. Yeah. They, believe me, you want <laughs> Mormons in the neighborhood during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> because the only unfortunate thing is that their zombie apocalypse, not unlike the Mormon apocalypse, is not real. 
<laughs> and is not going to happen. <laughs> and it's not like the Mormons even have like a distinct idea of what apocalypse looks like what the cataclysm is that's going to lead them to need a year's worth of food storage in their home i think i think they have a a concept well there's a there's a war that's coming people well yeah that also speaks to another uh mormon little industry which is the uh traveling speaker circuit Mm. that will go around and give like little sunday night devotional type talks right fireside yeah little firesides (laughs) and the 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 stake will will bring that person in and they they talk and a lot of it is stuff that has to do with like the end of days and all that yeah yeah oh my gosh i so so there is there is the there is the just dutiful Mormon the standard household is just dutifully they keep a year's worth of food. Sure. They try to cycle through it so that it stays somewhat fresh. Though nobody uses their wheat in their daily lives. Nobody actually like Yeah. They just have a bunch of wheat. They, yeah. I don't even I think there are probably my, some Mormons who don't know how to use it at all and mom, just have my some. My mom wheat. would try to cycle through it by baking bread and that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I know some do. Uh-huh. Most have like, you know, and they have a bunch of cans of soup or whatever and then they use it sure. and and, then and that's more what my mom's it. looks like now. But, sure. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, so uh so interesting that uh Elder Oaks would find it necessary to admonish people, maybe you don't need to stock up on your arsenal. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think that this is really happening. I think if you went to uh I, I think if you went online, you mm-hmm. could find entire websites about it in Provo and Orem and Idaho and stuff. Stock up. Yeah. Watch out for them. Protect your family. It's coming. Something's yeah. coming. Yeah. The bad guys are on their way. Yeah, well, yeah. Huh. All, All right. right. I don't even know what. I I would love to ask some somebody. Really? What do you? What I I once did ask my father-in-law mm. about his food storage, and I said, "Well, what what can you imagine happening where you would need an, an entire year's worth of food? Like I can imagine needing, you know, a couple weeks worth of food. Oh, I think it's smart. If it's totally yeah, smart. I mean, if you were in New Orleans and mm-hmm. and and Hurricane Katrina hit. And you got trapped somehow. Yeah. Lots of canned goods. Lots of... Be great to have. It's super duper smart. However. <laughs> a year. I'm just like, what What could possibly happen where you're not... Where you're going to be so out of sorts that you're going to need a year's worth of food. How are you going to... How are, How have you survived to the point where you need the year's worth of food? Mm, yeah. If the cataclysm is that bad, uh-huh. I don't think you'll live. <laughs> I don't think you've lived through it enough to that you need that year's worth of food. I don't know. I or saw, just I, go and break into a grocery store or whatever. Yeah, I saw the road, though. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, I, it's definitely plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got? Well, do you have my audio queued up? Oh. Ready? No. Yeah? All right. Well, I'll just introduce it real quick. So uh, this is um, a bit of audio um, from Channel 4 here in Salt Lake City, mm. uh, that uh, played on um, in, in part of their news broadcast back in 2008. Or maybe oh. because the date that it was on, uploaded was January 2nd, 2008. So maybe it actually aired uh, late 2007. In fact, oh, looking at the still right now, I just realized there's poinsettias all over the set. Oh. So, um, so it, must so it is Christmas, Christmas season. time. Yes. Uh, from 2007, and this is uh, Mitt Romney. They're they're talking about something that Mitt Romney 
ended up saying in an interview uh, in Boston. Oh, yeah. Presidential hopeful Mitt Romney is raising some eyebrows right here in Utah. Romney was asked about God and what God might say to him or to LDS church leaders. And as Chris Van Oker is here to show us, Romney's answer might surprise you. Barb, this interview between Romney and a Boston TV station aired about 10 days ago. His comments about the LDS church didn't cause too much of a ripple back east. But here in Utah, they seem to raise questions about how his view of the LDS Church was founded. Our next guest is the former governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney. In a lengthy interview with one of Boston's most prominent journalists, Mitt Romney was asked the following. Should God speak to you and ask you to do something that might be in conflict with your duties as president, or should he speak to your prophet who would speak to you, how would you make that decision how would you handle that to which he responded I, I don't recall God speaking to me I, I don't know that he's spoken anyone since uh, Moses in the bush or perhaps some others but, but this answer appears to contradict one of the foundations of the LDS Church in the church's first vision a young Joseph Smith is visited by God the Father and Jesus Christ and that Smith heard God speak the following one of them spake unto me calling me by name said pointing to the other this is my beloved son hear him and if as Romney suggests that God hasn't spoken to anyone for thousands of years then what happens to the LDS Church's belief in direct revelation from God to church prophets such as the 1978 revelation that blacks could hold the priesthood I'm really not running for pastor-in-chief and contacted by ABC 4 News Romney's campaign issued the following statement, quote, Governor Romney is very proud of his faith and he endeavors to live by it. Now we also asked the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for a comment about Romney's statement, but the Church politely declined our request. Randall? All right, thank you, Chris. Yeah. Wow. I don't know, Mitt Romney. Do, do you think our listeners appreciate like how big a deal this is because you and i both of our eyes got huge and our jaws just <laughs> dropped when we yeah. heard that yeah. yeah when we heard mitt romney saying that nobody's talked to god that god hasn't talked to anybody since moses yeah holy shit yeah that because that is very much not what they believe oh uh, yeah like the whole foundation of the of the church is based on the the notion that Joseph Smith actually talked to God. Like, oh, the, yeah. it's foundational. Well, you don't have Mormonism without that. I mean, Book of Mormon prophets, they're post Moses. Sure. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it's ju it just flies so in the face of, 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 of what he truly believes. Yeah. Like, he actually said something that he does not believe. It's something's a lie he some somewhere there's a lie here because this dude this is this is like after he'd been a bishop mm -hmm. in the mormon church a, a stake president he'd been a stake president in the mormon church yeah he knows he knows the doctrine of the church absolutely and for him to come out and say that it's in it's it's absolutely it's, it's beyond, contradictory it's beyond disingenuous oh yeah like there's disingenuous politicians who are like oh you know they hem and they haw they sort of they sort of circumnavigate a question or whatever. Yeah. This is beyond that. This oh, yeah. is this is a denial of a basic tenet of his own faith. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 going to hell material right there. Oh yeah. That's, that's apostasy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Um, and also, this is this is something that we need to uh, we. I think the the world, the left, everybody needs to keep reminding them. Actually, as atheists, more than anything, it doesn't matter whether you're you're whatever. Um, but as an atheist, it is incredibly important to remember that Mitt Romney is was was clergy. Yeah. He was clergy in the LDS church. He was lay clergy. Lay clergy, but nonetheless. But clergy. Clergy. Yeah. And 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 that's something that's that that is somehow has 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 not really like every once in a while like you hear the thing about oh yeah he was a bishop in the LDS right. local ward in the LDS church. And it's like but that that should be bugging people. That should be bothering people, I think. Well, I don't know. Huckabee is is a wasn't he a pastor? Yeah, that bugged me. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I, but I think every mention of God directing my path as president bugs yeah. me, and yeah. they all do it. They all do that. Obama yeah. does it. They all, yeah, they all do that. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the language of running for president. So, so but, I, but yeah, but nonetheless, yeah. Like, here, here he is com- as as somebody who who yeah intimately familiar with it he preached it as an lds missionary yeah he knows he knows he better maybe he doesn't know maybe he's a complete <laughs> idiot well <laughs> he's uh, like wait what <laughs> well oh, that's what the first vision was wait that was for real <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was a parable why was it in a picture book story <laughs> that's yeah i don't know i don't yeah. understand how he could have possibly said that yeah I mean, I get that he's afraid that, like, because he believes some stuff that will totally make every put every other believer in the in the United States completely off. Oh yeah, he believes some crazy shit. Oh yeah, but either you believe it or you don't. Yeah, his God is very different from a Christian God. Yeah, his God's a nutball. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh yeah. well, his God was a man. Well, yeah. And he will eventually become a god. And he, Mitt Romney, most definitely. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, come on. Mitt's going, Mitt's going straight oh, to it. he's celestial kingdom. I'm surprised he hasn't been twinkled. <laughs> Translation for you, Mittens. <laughs> Ding! And away he goes. No, he has important works to do here on the, yeah. on the earth. He's got to get himself elected president. That's what the good Lord put him on to this earth to do. Yeah. And God damn it, these, these godless <laughs> Democrats just keep blocking him. They keep digging up dirt. Yeah. And, and, and they keep, like, not getting in the way of him saying stupid, stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> Excuse me. Why did you let me say that? <laughs> you know what? If you were a good Christian, you would not have let me put my foot that deep into my mouth. That's just <laughs> he's good great. at it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's quite good. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of feet being placed on anatomy, uh, ooh, segway worst segue of Woo-hoo! all time because I can't Dan did a segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a segue from a Mormon man to a, an Islamic woman, a Muslim woman mm-hmm. who beat the shit out of a cleric in Iran. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Well, wow. okay. So in okay. Iran, there are very strict laws about what women are allowed to wear. Ah. And, uh, and men feel, especially clerics feel that they can call women on being on immodesty with absolute impunity 
in this society. I feel that way in this country. I think, I think we we can all agree that you and I should have that authority. <laughs> I will walk up and down the streets. Let me tell you, madam, you cover those up right now. Yeah, and by those the, shoes, those madam, shoes, madam, <laughs> will you, madam, you are. The way you are dressed is absolutely awful. That's what we could do at, at the Temple Square uh, during, during general, general conference. conference. Go and go and criticize people's Just clothing. Like, mm, oh no, bad choice. Set up a booth. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> ugly shoes. Those are terrible shows. No more ugly shoes. Honestly, literally. That's people, what that's what our signs should say. People, you guys need to see the shoes that these Mormons bring to. Well, we're going to go take pictures. We'll, we gonna, will. We will. We're going to have a little fashion blog for, uh, for <laughs> Mormon Mormons at General Conference. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys, you're not prepared. You're not ready. I'm trying to get you ready now. And you have to understand, Dan is legitimately bothered by this. I can't give her a rat's ass, right? Okay, they want to wear some ugly shoes. Fine. Dan is, like, so bothered. He's, like, actually, his body language right now is, it's, like, it's starting to, like, close off and get a little just bugged. <laughs> It's 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 the uh, it's the religion that fashion forgot. I'm oh afraid. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm not. You know, it's just it's ever since Andrea got me into Project Runway, yeah. I can't help it. Islam is more fashionable. Those headscarves can be lovely. They can be, except yeah. that. Okay, so this woman, getting back to the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, she uh, she apparently the the cleric says that he uh, he told her that she was dressed inappropriately. Mm. And she said, cover your eyes. And then <laughs> apparently proceeded to knock him off his feet and then kick him. What? To the point, to the tune of three days in the hospital. Whoa. This, this wow. woman just beat the shit out of this guy. Well, I mean, her stilettos probably. <laughs> under that. Yeah. You don't know what she's wearing <laughs> under that burqa. You don't know. She was probably she probably has fetish gear under there, a ninja costume or something. Because she cover would, your eyes, I love it. Yeah, she and then uh, and he said, uh, "I don't know what happened after that. All I could feel were the was the kicks of this woman who was insulting me and attacking me." Oh, and of course, like there, he wasn't insulting her. No, 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 no. He was doing his civic duty. Right. He was being a good Muslim man. Yeah. Which, by the way, and, and this article from uh, NPR points this out, and I think that this is a very valid uh, thing to notice. If a woman gets beaten in public for not dressing properly, uh-huh. that's totally appropriate. Oh, wow. Everybody's okay, okay with that. Wow. But uh, if a man gets beaten in public, by, especially by a woman, like, you know these guys. These guys are like, like, first of all, the number of times that he talks about she insulted me. You can just tell that, like, this is the outrage. The outrage is how dare she speak to me yeah. in this way? How dare she confront me as though she is my equal? Yeah. As though she has anything to say to me, a man. Well, yeah. Of course he was. He's embarrassed in that society. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. He, he. But he's so outraged that he's willing to face down the embarrassment and go public with it. That's amazing. That's how outraged he is. Wow. So yeah, whoever this woman is, she faces uh the uh the the, the incident is being uh referred to by prosecutors as a quote public beating and that's a oh my, excuse me. That that's a that's a crime of very serious proportion. Right. I just I just want to shout out to this woman. I yeah. fucking love that. Yeah. 
Wow. And, and I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not pro, uh, violence. Violence. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> well, sometimes it's warranted. Yeah. I think Although, so. Yeah. Anyway. Huh. So there, there you go. Boom. Well, don't, right. don't fuck with her. Whoever no, she is. Indeed not. <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, Facebook.com slash TGI Atheist mm. and uh, Twitter at TGI Atheist are two wonderful ways to join the conversation after the after you're listening to the show. Yeah, or while you're listening or to the show. Or while you're listening to the you can, show. You can email Live us. blog. Yeah. Your experience while watching or listening to the yeah, show. Yeah, tweet at us. Yeah. While you just, yeah, angrily tweet and, and use the hashtag Frank and Dan are morons or whatever. Or happy. Happy tweet. Frank, happy tweet hashtag yeah. frank and dan rock yeah that's good too yeah that's, um yeah. also you can you can email us at podcast at thank god i'm atheist.com that's yes. a good way to get in touch with us you can also leave us a voicemail at 424-666-TGIA that's 424-666-8442 or you can you know visit the blog We've yeah got the check thing, the blog out thank guys. god i'm atheist.com got a lot going on there. there's a new feature on our blog that we oh. forgot to plan how we were going to talk about it. That's true. So let's just talk about it. We're just going to talk about it. Yeah. I don't know if you folks know, you listening at home, listening on your way to work, that this costs us money, this thing that we're doing, <laughs> this this free podcast that we've been putting out to you for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not free to us. Right. So we would like to give you the opportunity to be part of, of making this happen. Yeah. And so what we've done is on the blog, which is located at TG, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> thankgodimatheist.com. Right. Um, over on the sidebar, um, about the fourth item down, there's a little support us button. Indeed there and is. And you can, um, we're, we're accepting your support via PayPal. Yes. So, um, go, so you can use your major credit cards or debit cards. Look or for the mildly confusing image of Jesus in an Uncle Sam costume telling you to pay your tithing, <laughs> which is what we currently have up oh, there. Excellent. Cool. And, uh, and click on that. It'll give you a few options, uh, mm-hmm. including the option of just doing a one-time donation mm-hmm. um, of any amount that you want. Which is splendid. Sure. Yeah. Anything from, you know. And we'll thank you. Five dollars on up to on up to uh, you know two hundred thousand dollars. I don't think you can do it that. <laughs> wow! Much. But go yeah. ahead if you want to. Please feel free if to you give have us that the much. Means. Yeah, share that wealth. <laughs> yeah, or you can do a, a, a subscription, mm-hmm. which is which is one of the things that we we like to encourage. It's just you know you can choose yeah. a monthly a, amount. A lot of podcasts and people who generate uh, material like this on on the web. Um, use use the subscription, and I think it's a great way of doing it. You can right. just say, you know what, I have five dollars a month or ten dollars a month, whatever it is that you feel that you that, that you feel that listening to us is worth. Right, whatever whatever amount of value you get yeah. from what we freely and openly give you, yeah. out of the kindness and generosity of mm-hmm. our hearts and souls. This feels really weird, Dan, because. <laughs> This is exactly what's going on on the local NPR stations. I right know now. we are. Well, we're we're using the NPR model. We're using yeah. the public radio slash public TV model, to, which is you you get to decide. Yeah, right? and so we we, we don't want to henpeck or hound you about no. it, but we do want to make you aware that it's something that we would really appreciate some yeah. support. Absolutely, and uh, and and you can feel really good about yourself, and and, <laughs> yeah. and we encourage you to do that. Yeah. There you go. All right. 
Well, let's take a quick break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, during the break, we're going to be listening to a bit of audio. What, what have you queued up for us, Dan? It, it, it's a lovely bit of audio. One that, uh, you know... We 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 tend to get so we we've been getting very heavy on Pat Robertson lately, which is fine. Which is fine because he's <laughs> such a delight. <laughs> but uh, but we've got a new contender for uh, for craziest audio of the week, uh, and that is uh, one Mister uh, Rushmore Limboski. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. All right. That guy's a, a an ass monkey. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, him talking about uh, a recent study that was done. I have a story it's from Philadelphia, CBS News, CBS Eyeball News. If size matters, male private parts are shrinking, according to a new Italian study on sexuality. The study's leaders, kids are back in school now, it's okay. Well, it's September 20th, it's just adults out there now. The study's leaders claim to have bona fide research. I say bona fide, probably here. Bonafide research that says the average size of a penis is roughly 10% smaller than it was 50 years ago. And the researchers say air pollution is why. Air pollution, global warming, has been shown to negatively impact penis size, Italian researchers. I don't buy this. I think it's feminism. I think if it's, if it's tied to the last 50 years, the average size of... Uh, Member is ten uh, percent smaller than it's fifty years. Has to be the feminazis. That would I mean the chickification, everything else. Give them time, and they'll blame Bush. Give them time. But air pollution versus feminazis. <laughs> uh, oh my I goodness, Linda! It just takes me right back to being in my dad's Mazda pickup. Oh no! When I was a teenager, and he used to listen to Rush. Oh, he loved listening to Rush. Yeah. I think Rush has gotten, I mean, he's so emboldened now. He'll just, mm-hmm. I, I think in the early days, he at least would try to, like, keep himself on some sort of track. Like, he, he was clearly, like, far right, uh, spouting nonsense, that sort of thing. But he sure. doesn't, he, it's not like he was just making shit up the whole time. Right. Now he just makes shit up. He's just a liar. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to the show, obviously, in a long time. Right. So be, beyond, like, the occasional little segment. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I can't speak to that. Although, but, can I make a point here? Sure. I think he's right. I think the feminists are definitely the reason the penises are shrinking. It's, it's obvious. <laughs> it's so clear. Well, how, like, I, How did you all, propo- propose that that's happening? Well. What mechanism would be causing? I, I think it's just. He's saying, yeah, the women are, 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 are well, he, the chickification, is that what he called it? I, which can sounds only to me like it's a thing that he talks about. That, that, yeah, that, that women are turning men uh, soft somehow. Yeah. That modern, modern culture or something is, I, I guess that's what he's saying. I don't know. Again, I don't listen to the show, so I can't really speak to what he's trying to say here. I'm guessing that this story really resonated with him. I'm, well, he I'm guess- has a small penis. He, I'm guessing he's got like the tiniest little dick. And he's like, the out there. Goddamn feminists. <laughs> they ruined my penis. They ruined my penis. My penis w- could have been so big if it weren't <laughs> for the feminists. <laughs> I would have been able to see it under my rolls of fat, if Ew. only. Yeah. Gross, Dan. Well, y- gross rush. 
That's what I say. For for being gross. He is He's gross. just gross. Anyway. So, hey, we got a thing. We've, we have a thing, Dan. We've got, we got to, in, we, we had the opportunity yeah. to interview uh, an author. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and he's, he's on the uh, speaking circuit. Yes, um, the among, atheist speaking circuit. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Dr. Daryl Ray. Dr. Dr. Ray. Yep. Um, and, and he's so fun. He's such a great guy. So, uh, yeah. Should we just play I think it? we should mm-hmm. just play the, the interview. Um, yeah. Go for it. All right. Play. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're going to cut now to a, a quick little uh, interview with uh, Dr. Um, Daryl Ray. He's the author of four books, the latest of which is Sex and God, How Religion Distorts Sexuality. Uh, he's been a psychologist for over 30 years and holds an MA degree in religion as well as a BA in sociology, anthropology, and a doctorate in psychology. Uh, he's here in Salt Lake speaking at the Sex Stravaganza. Ooh, Sex Stravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is sponsored by Shift. Uh, that's a secular student group up at the University of Utah. Um, and that... Uh, is going to be held up at the University of Utah campus. So welcome, Dr. Ray. Yeah, great to have you here. Glad to be here, guys. This is going to be fun. Thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's it's quite a treat. I, I You know, it's funny. I was first made aware of you um, by another podcast that I was listening to. And I just, I just thought, you know what? That's uh, You were talking about your new book, which we're going to talk about today. Um, and it, it was... It was. I just loved it. It was. It was something that. It was a voice that I hadn't heard yet, uh, and so I, I. really appreciate you coming out and chatting with us. Good. Well, I'm, I don't get to do face to face podcasts too often, so this is kind of fun to actually see the people I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so uh, the book is titled "Sex and God: How Religion Distorts Sexuality," yeah. and that seems pretty appropriate. Yeah, and sure does among Mormons, I, doesn't? I, yeah. It? Well, I know it distorted mine. <laughs> I, well, I mean, oh. absolutely. <laughs> it's just one of those things where when you grow up religious, I mean, I I don't think anyone who's honest with themselves who grew up religious doesn't understand that truth. Yeah. That somehow yeah. there is a distortion that will happen. Uh, just all, any religion. It doesn't even matter what religion, no. but especially with Mormonism. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you're just you're going to have a weird sexuality but if, if the irony of that is if you look just at the literature nobody's written about that before right nobody's talking out loud about how religion screws people's sex lives up i mean and you got christian counselors out there all over the place right. counseling people on their sexual oh, wait a minute how do you do that yeah <laughs> one, one of my favorite things is that when you're christian when you're mormon when, and you you have a sexual problem you're supposed to go to your priest? Yeah, right. You're supposed to go to your bishop? What the hell? Yeah. Like, the, how is that person remotely qualified to help you with sex problems? Right. Somebody who's been told not to touch themselves since they were 12 <laughs> years old, and now they're going to go get... Right. Uh-huh. So, so what, what has been your... Uh, well, first of all, what's been the response to the book? Has it, has it been awesome. well received? Uh, oh, absolutely. Get, getting just... review. It's, it's one of the top ba- top reviewed... Atheist books right now. Oh, I mean, great. yeah, it's of course it's still young. It's only been out about six months. The book, but yeah, it's getting just super reviews. And although we did get a one star review from somebody on Amazon the other day who hadn't read it, but they're a fundamentalist and they know this can't be right. 
course. I actually make. I actually transfer. I think that should be a five star review. Yeah. Well, no. I I think you should take that as a compliment. I do. I, mean, I the, take the second the uh, the Christian trolls start taking yeah. notice of you, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it, it is. So one of the things that interested us uh, about about your research and about your book was that we noticed that uh, Mormonism uh, plays some plays some key roles, plays a pretty prominent role in your uh, in your research. Is that or or at least stands out? Right. Yeah. So and, uh, so talk to us about that. Well, that was unexpected. Uh, we did this research last year, and uh, we questioned fourteen thousand five hundred sixty people online through the help of people like Greta Christina and PZ Myers. They got they got the word out for us or helped us. And uh, we just crunched the numbers, got the data back. Um, we had no clue what was going to come out of the data. I mean, that's why you do research. And one of the key questions we asked was about guilt and how much guilt were you taught as a child around sexuality. And lo and behold, I would have guessed Catholics were number one in guilt around sexuality. Sure. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> Mormons were number one. <laughs> you oh take gosh. the prize. But right behind them were Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Pentecostals. Oh. All four of them are right there at the top. Everybody else, including Catholics, are stepped down. Now, they're still high, but they're a step down. So that shows those top four are cults. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt. If you look at the data, Mormonism, Pentecostals, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're all cults. Well, and they behave like cults around sexuality, for sure. Yeah, and also very new. New cults, like, right. Yeah, mm, like yeah, less than... Very young... Less than 150 years old in yeah. most cases. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what most cults are. I mean, the, a cult right. that moves into a religion is no longer a cult. And sure. after two or 300 years, you become a religion, not a cult, I guess. <laughs> I was also surprised to see that Judaism, which I've always associated with, uh, at very least, you know, you get that sort of that stereotype of, of, of the Jewish mother shaming or guilting her, her kid for not calling or whatever. I thought that there would be there would be at least something. But they, they ranked really low, didn't they? Well, I think that's a product, number one, that we didn't get a lot of Jews. So oh. it wasn't a, a big sample. And number two, that we got a lot of secular Jews or Jews that were raised in secular homes. Hmm. We didn't get any Orthodox, former Orthodox Jews. Oh, yeah. okay. So, I think uh, also Judaism actually is more guilty about other things <laughs> than it is around sexuality. There's there's a pretty strong positive sex positive tradition. Sex I say sex positive in very limited terms, but within marriage you can do about anything, or you know you're you're allowed to do a lot more than most religions in mm. Judaism. So yeah, that's that's probably why Judaism scored so low. Okay, yeah, on guilt. Interesting. But this, we only ask about sexual guilt. We didn't ask about other kinds of mother, sure, mother in law right. guilt. <laughs> <Okay. and things. laughs> well, so one of the things that you uh, that you guys that you discuss in your book is uh, that I found fascinating is the concept because it's not just um, sexuality that religions trying trying using to control. It's there's there's a whole mythology around. Uh, what happens when you die and your death and you you make a link between death and sexuality in terms of religion, don't you? Yeah, right. Yeah, I call it death neurosis. OK, you know, a, a neurosis when you're neurotic about something, you have an unnatural fear of it or an unnatural set of behaviors around that. So if in, in what religion does is it teaches you. I mean, it's natural for us to be afraid of death. I mean, who wants to die? No, very few people want to die. So. um what religion does is take that fear and then exaggerate it and blow it up. If you if you believe, yeah, when I die, I'm going to be worm food, I'm dust, and that's what it is, period, 
then you don't really have much to fear. I, I fear dying more than death. I mean, what's there to fear of death? It's right. like Mark Twain said, I was, uh, I was dead for billions of years before I was born. I will be dead billions of years after I'm born. Right. So, and that's kind of the way I look at it. Spend the most, most of your existence being dead. It's yeah. just this little blip yeah. in the middle that's, right. that's alive. <laughs> and I love Mark Twain for that. But religion comes along and says, no, wait a minute. After you're dead, then you get judged by this entity. Now, this entity could be Allah. It could be Jehovah. It could be Jesus. You know, any number of religions. They all have got their their uh, shtick there. And you're going to get judged based on how you what you did to your life. And you're going to get burned. You're going to get punished. You're going to put in, you know, in limbo or whatever Catholics have these days. They've now changed that, I know. But... I mean, there's all sorts of bad things that are going to happen to you after you die. And if you look at the at the imagery and the mythology around after death, most religions are more concerned about after death. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen when you die? I mean, the entire, going back to you guys, former religion, Mormonism, look at the in, an incredible, you guys, you guys actually have a better afterlife mythology than, than, the, than the Christians do. And I do not consider Mormons Christians, by the way. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. But look at the mythology you guys have around after death. Yeah. And the horror and the fears mm-hmm. and the separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are unnatural. There's no, that is building up to keep you infected with the God virus, yeah. the Mormon God virus, Catholic God virus. Well, yeah, and I always felt like I was sort of just living for the afterlife. Exactly. When I, when I, was, to- when I was in the right. midst of, of Mormonism, that's all I ever thought yeah, about. Was, right. was First of all, I always thought that Satan was like right here, mm-hmm. like tempting me, right? No, I'm serious. Like I, he was No, he'd be right on the other here. shoulder. That's the yeah. right shoulder, the left shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> But no, I, it was a constant just phobia and fear. Absolutely. It is. It's a phobia. Yeah. You're well, right. It's interesting. I watch, you know, most of my wife's family is still Mormon. And I watch them living lives that are clearly miserable. Right. Making choices. Now, not always, but but making choices that if they didn't have this this mythology about what's going to happen after they die, there's no way in hell they would choose half the things that they're choosing right they choose they they make purposeful choices and they and their verbiage they are willing to say i suffer now Mm. and it's great and it's fine because later after this life everything's going to be great and i will have earned my eternal reward i get my planet yeah yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) although they don't do they ever talk about the planet thing? I, th- it's there. It's, it's there. definitely hey. present. They talk less now. Like, yeah, they really, yeah, 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 they, they, they don't really look, hide from it. Well, they're trying to look like Christians is what Mormonism's doing. Sure. As I talk about in my book, The God Virus, religions are always evolving. Mm-hmm. And they've got to evolve to stay with the culture or the culture will leave them behind. Absolutely. And you see that. Like just last week, the Mormons come out and said you can drink caffeinated drinks now as long as they're not coffee or tea. Right. Okay, that's new. <laughs> well, it's not, well, they just never had had made any. They they had never made any official statement about caffeine yet. Yeah, well, tell the poor guy that comes to our recovering from religion right. yeah. and had never had a Dr. Pepper before yeah. he left Mormonism because his mother grandmother told him you were going to hell or whatever yeah. if you drink it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty funny. I uh, I I when I um, growing up, my mother the one thing that we had in the house was was. Dr. Pepper. 
My mom always had that. But yeah. but we never felt all that bad about it. Well, maybe yeah. I was wrong. Maybe it should have been Coke. But anyway, well, caffeine. No, no. It, caffeine yeah. was, was, it's, it was definitely caffeine, part of the yeah. mythology. Yeah. 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 There, there were definitely two camps. My parents never. <laughs> oh, they didn't. With the whole oh, you were from thing. the liberal wing. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, yeah. And then they got crazy. Oh, they yeah. did. Yeah. Well, let me take you back to, the, to tie the neurosis, though, the mm. death neurosis, yeah. into sexuality. Because that's the key. I think that's uh, almost as important as anything else that we're going to talk about today. So, so we've got this person scared to death of dying, right? And, and they've got a phobia of dying, and and they're going to do all they're going to create all these rituals to ensure that they get to the next life. Catholics do it, Muslims do it, Mormons do it. Every religion creates all this crap. But one of the key things is the idea that the God can watch you and knows what your thoughts are, right? Well, you're not supposed to touch yourself if you're a Mormon, <laughs> and God knows if you touch yourself. So now we've got sex tied to neurosis, death neurosis. Right. And you're going to go to hell if you touch yourself, or if you have sex before marriage, or sex outside of marriage, or if you have all kind of sex while you're married, or who you have sex with. I mean, there's all these prohibitions. If there was ever a cruel doctrine that has ever been handed down to anyone in the history of the world, it is to tell a 15-year-old boy <laughs> that he is not allowed to touch his own penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, honestly, it... I and I know what you're talking about because believe me, I just rang myself through the ringer every time I I would masturbate, and then I would be like, ah, no, I'm in trouble, and then I'd go back, and then I'd like I would resolve myself, I'm never gonna do it again, and I would go for a long time, and then I'd like build up and build up and build up, and then I'd do it, and then it would feel amazing, and I'd be so happy, and then suddenly there's that thing in the back of the head like oh <laughs> shit what did i just do yeah. um i always played hymns i would oh, practice no. the piano oh after wow that's masturbate. funny so i got really good at the piano <laughs> yeah one one guy wrote me sometime back and and he, he had that same uh same story dan and he said it's it's the devil in your balls <laughs> and he and he said i seriously considered self-castration I mean, oh this guy. God. Yeah, he was. Now he was. He was Catholic, though. He wasn't mm. Mormon. But wow, whoa, that's pretty serious. Yeah, that's that's intense. But you know, there have been Catholic, serious Catholic people. There are saints today who did that to themselves. Right. Yeah. Now you talk about sex and 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 neuros these kinds of neuroses as a as a means of uh, as of. The church. Do you feel like it's a means of the church of churches controlling their parishioners, or do you feel like it's a it, where do you think that comes from? Why why did it arise? Uh, it, it rose about twenty five hundred years ago in in religions on the planet. Um, about twenty five hundred years ago, a, a few religions learned the power of of um, creating guilt around sex and shame around sex. If you if you think of it, I call it the guilt cycle in in um, in both my books. And the guilt cycle is fairly simple. You you you're not born guilty about religion. We even know that infants touch themselves while they're still in the womb. Mm. So they're playing with themselves even before they come out of their mom, uh, especially boys. But girls, we know, touch themselves a lot too. It's pleasurable. Why wouldn't they? So uh, what, what religion does is teaches you to be paranoid, to be neurotic about something you're going to do anyway. Right. And so you're going to touch yourself. We're going to teach you how terrible that is and you're going to go to hell, try to scare the crap out of you. And then, of course, every time you, you're going to do it anyway, 
You, I mean, just like you said, you couldn't not do it. Right. So then when you do it, what do you have to do? You have to go get forgiveness. Right. You have to go back to church. And it brings you back to church. Brings you back, But it only brings you back to the church you learned the guilt at in the first place. Oh, that's an interesting point. That's yeah. the beauty of the guilt cycle. You didn't go confess your sins to a Catholic priest. And, and the, the Catholics don't confess to Mormon bishops. So right. Yeah, that's really interesting. It brings you back where you learned the guilt in the first place. Huh. I yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it is great because, frankly, I don't know if you've ever been to a Mormon church service. I avoid that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Sorry. What <laughs> else could possibly keep someone coming back? It is three fucking hours of nonsense. And it's just like literally if, you, if, if they don't have their hooks in you somehow, no one's going to come to this shit. Yeah, I've heard that. In fact, I've heard it from you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. How boring it is. It's, uh, it's quite remarkable. But there is another aspect to this that, that I, I like to talk about, and that's the concept of shame mm. and, and what the difference between guilt and shame is. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I don't think we think about this in Western culture, because Western culture, by and large, is more guilt-based. Uh, Eastern cultures and Islam are more shame-based. Mormonism is more shame-based. That's interesting. Cults are much more shame-based. Now, you think about guilt as an individual thing. You feel guilty, you know, because you cheated in a poker game. Sure. <laughs> or you, you feel guilty because you stole cookies out of the cookie jar when you were five years old or whatever. Well, that's an individual thing, and you go to your God and you pray to your God about that guilt. Shame is communal. Shame involves the family, involves a community. And so you... You could be shameful about something that you're not even guilty about. You didn't do. For example, a woman in um, woman in Iraq that gets raped, she has nothing to be guilty about. It wasn't her fault. And yet she will feel enormous shame because that culture shames sexual contact of any kind, even rape. Mm, and it's her right. fault. Yeah. And they, they shame women into believing all sexual contact, all sexual behavior is the fault of the woman. Early Judaism did the same thing. Many parts of Judaism still do. And almost all the other Christian religions to some degree do. It's a good trick. I really need to learn to figure out how to how to make everything that happens in my home my wife's fault. It'll just <laughs> it will it'll make my life so much easier if I can just figure out how to make everything her fault. And even if it's my if it's my stupidity, which it always is. Oh, so I see. That might be useful. That that's a good trick. <laughs> Well, when a shame culture, a shame religion is profoundly uh, impactful on its members, mm. and it's it's very difficult to leave because everybody is connected through shame, uh, and whatever you whatever you do can be uh, brought back. The, the entire community will come down on you right. based upon what you did. I mean, just look at how Mormonism works. Somebody does something wrong or contravenes one of the principles, the whole community. You have to go before a bishop and tell him, and it's always him, of course, tell him if you've touched yourself or if you've had sex outside marriage, you're confessing big, big time stuff. Right. Now, Catholicism used to be much more shame-based too, but, but it's not been able to maintain that shame because you also have to have a very tight community and a very tight family structure in order to have a shame-based religion. Right. That's why Mormonism is so family-focused, so it can maintain the shame focus. You let it get beyond beyond the family focus, and the shame goes down. Now, the guilt may come up, but the shame goes down. Look at look at Mormonism in outlying areas. Look at Mormonism in where I'm from, in Kansas, or or 
Massachusetts, where Mitt Romney's from, it's a much more low-key, much less shame-based because you don't right. have entire communities close together sanctioning people. It's amazing to watch, actually. When you see Mormonism at its at its peak, at its finest. Finest is the wrong word, obviously. But it, what's amazing is that, like, even if someone just doesn't go to church for a couple weeks in a row, uh-huh. the entire community notices and people are calling. They're not they're not expressly trying to shame them, but they're calling. Hey, where you, where, we missed you at church. Where were you? And mm-hmm. there's this whole it it this this shame that you're talking about is actually insidious because they don't actually couch it in shame terms. <coughs> it's pretty it's pretty impressive that how they can get. All these nice shame messages, all these nice messages about, like, you're breaking from the community. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But they couch it in this, you know, love loving. terms. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Loving. Right. You don't have to use the word shame to shame somebody. Right. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's probably less effective, actually. Actually less effective. You're right. It's those underlying subliminal messages yeah. that are so powerful in people. Yeah. That's huh. amazing. So I think this is a very important distinction between guilt and shame. Baptists are guilt. Baptists are Presbyterian. You know, those kind of religions are more guilt-based. Now, guilt can be pretty insidious too, and I don't have a whole lot of use for guilt. Right. But shame is shame is very insidious because it involves the entire community, and it takes the individual's will away from them. Mm. I can't choose to leave Mormonism without a huge consequence to my life. Right. That's what happens in Jehovah's Witnesses. And Seventh-day Adventists and Pentecostal churches. You don't just get up and walk out. No. Now, if you're a Methodist, yeah, you can get up and walk out. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Nobody's going to shame you for right. leaving the Methodist church. No one's going to tell you, that, for instance, like the Mormons do, that you are now ruining their eternal family. Precisely. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty so, good. That's I hope a pretty good listening. line, right? by the way. If you want to shame somebody, yeah. tell them that you're ruining their whole life for eternity. Eternity. That's right. a, that's a yeah. good one. <laughs> so I hope your listeners really grasp onto that Mm -hmm. distinction between shame and guilt and apply it to who more importantly to apply it to themselves right how they were raised were they raised in a guilt-based religion or a shame-based religion now all religions do both don't get me wrong but they do different levels of both sure well i i hope that they don't fully grasp it so that they have to go out and buy your book well i do too that's why (laughs) (laughs) where where can everybody buy your book by the way amazon.com or if they go to ipcpress.com, I sign every copy that goes comes through that website. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. And cool. Uh, both the God Virus and uh, Sex and God are at, you know on, on both sites. I'm definitely both worth checking out. Um, and there were a couple of other things that, that I wanted to ask you about. You've got oh, tell me about recovering from religion. Well, it's an organization I started three years ago um, to help people. Our motto is there are thousands of groups that will get you into religion. We're the only ones that will get you out <laughs> or, or help you get out, rather. It's the Underground Railroad. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and uh, I started three years ago. I worked on it a couple of years, and, you know, I'm not – I didn't get very far. I got about 20 groups started around the United States. And these are groups that meet once a month and talk about the issues of coming out of religion. I turned it over to Jerry DeWitt and Sarah Moorhead um, not quite a year ago, and now we have 150 groups around the world. Wow. They're doing a super job, man. We just got our – last Friday, I'm happy to announce we are now a 501c3 nonprofit. Great. And we can take donations, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And uh, we have been doing this on a shoestring budget. And by shoestring, I mean it comes out of my back pocket. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Jerry's and Sarah's. So uh, we are now trying – we're now getting ready to – you know, we're opening up and we want to take donations because our mission is to help people deal with the trauma of leaving religion. Right. 
So we have these meetings, and uh, you'll get an ex-Mormon, you get an ex-Baptist, an ex-Catholic, an ex-Pentecostal. We even had ex-Moonies in our, our, our groups. Wow. And they'll sit around the table for an hour or two. Actually, they schedule it for an hour, and a lot of times three hours later they're leaving. I mean, it's amazing. We ask people, just tell us your story. And pretty soon the Catholic says, crap, that's exactly what happened to me, and you were a Mormon. Right. Or Mormon says, wow, that's what happened to me, and you were a Pentecostal. And they realize the light bulb comes on. They say, all religions are playing the same game with you, the same brainwashing techniques. Mm. It's a, and it doesn't take more than a few of those meetings to, for people to pretty much leave the guilt behind, leave the shame behind, and, and start reconstructing their lives. Yeah, it sounds like something that, that could be really helpful. I know a lot of our listeners have, have written to us and, and let us know that they've, they, you know, they don't feel like they have a safe place to go and talk right. about these issues. They've, you know, their whole family structure, all of their friends are still in the religion, and so it, it ends up being this very difficult thing for them to find. So I, I can see that that would be... Truly, a, like a remarkably helpful thing. Yeah, have your listeners go to recoveringfromreligion.org, and we have a forum there for people to c- compare notes. We've got all sorts of materials to support people if they want to start a group in their own area. We've got that. We just our our most recent group started in London just last week. Oh, that's great. We have groups in Bangladesh and in India, in all over Canada, in Australia. We're even we're even having uh, we've even appointed. Um, national coordinators now we've got national coordinators in australia and national coordinators in in the united kingdom to because we're building more groups in all these other countries that's fantastic it's it's a it's fun to be involved and in so program. needed I, I i really uh i really approve of that work so well done you and 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 all of our wealthy listeners can uh can go there and now us, donate to you yeah right Hooray. and it'll go to a great cause because we have just gotten started We've, mm. we've got so much to do, so many uh, programs we want to try and, and fund and, and and raise awareness of what we're trying to do and get more groups started. Right. And it takes time. It takes some money to do that. And uh, also, you, now, so you're, you've, you were a clinical therapist for a long time, Yeah, I was time, a clinical right? psychologist, And, and right. there's also – so you've also started a, a thing called the uh, Secular Therapist Project? Yeah, Is just that... earlier this year. Um, and tell me about that. Well, uh, it's actually a sub-part of Recovering from Religion, although okay. it's kind of often on its own little piece. Right. Han Hills and I out of North Carolina, he's the web developer for it. What we found – I found people are always emailing me and say, I need a, I need a therapist for X, Y, or Z. I'm depressed or I want to go through divorce counseling or something. And, I, and they'll say, I can't find anybody. They're all Christian counselors. They're all Christian <laughs> psychologists. And of course, I think it's well, an people oxymoron. People don't want to go to Mar- Marcus Bachman's uh, yeah, right. group and <laughs> Pray see the gay away. <laughs> get some help there. <laughs> well, it's really crazy because, I mean, you think about it. If somebody says they're a Christian counselor, they've lopped off an entire area of inquiry, and that's your delusions. Right. Yeah, deluded people need to look at their delusions. And so Christian counselors aren't qualified in my book to do that very well. I'm not saying there aren't some that can't and don't, but I know a lot that don't. So they they can't find one. And here's the other problem. On the other side, if I'm a psychologist in Salt Lake City and I raise my hand and I say I'm an atheist psychologist, half my clients will leave. Oh, yeah. And the church will stop referring people to me. There's I'll a lose stigma my, that, that, that gets attached right, to it. Right, right. Yeah. So, so we – created this website it's kind of like a dating site eHarmony or match.com and you you can come through our system as a therapist you can register a therapist 
anonymously, but your qualifications are out there, and you're vetted by us. We know you're qualified. You aren't a charlatan. Right. And we also know you're you're a secularist. You're an agnostic, an atheist, a humanist. You could still be um, religious. We don't mind that as long as you keep the religion low key and out of your practice. Uh, and then if you're if I'm a therapist client, I can get on and register, put my zip code in, and it'll say, "Oh, I got Dan and Frank within ten miles of my house," and I could go, and I'm guaranteed you are secular. I email you through our system, so nobody's email, nobody's phone number, nobody knows anything until you make a decision to actually make an appointment. And then I show up at your office. That's great. Incidentally, by the way, if you see Dan or Frank come up on that, don't go to us. We'd be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But it's seculartherapy.org. Great. Yeah, it's got its own website. Yeah, I'm sure that that'll be... Seculartherapy.org. Very handy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we want... If you're a therapist out there in listener land, register with us. If you're a secular therapist. Well, I know I'm going to tell my therapist about it because my therapist is uh, secular and he's brilliant and more people need to find him. So I think that that'll be great. And we've gotten a large number of referrals from people like you saying, I want my... And telling your therapist. Yeah. If you're looking for a therapist, go first to our site. Can't guarantee there'll be anybody in your area. But go there first. It's a good and, place to start. Well, you can also do phone therapy. Oh, a lot wow. of our therapists, I would say about a half of our therapists will do Skype or phone therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's which is great. a growing area. Yeah. Fantastic. I know that. Well, thank you so much for coming out here. I mean, what a treat it is. We don't do hardly any interviews. so Yeah, we need to do more of these. Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Onus isn't on us to talk the whole time. Yeah, we got somebody oh else God. talking. It's great. <laughs> and if I screw up, you got somebody to blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think if there's a screw up, it has to be on this end. I think the interviewer is always yeah, the problem. Yeah, always responsible. Yeah, so, well, anyway, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you, Daryl. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. So and again, keep up the good work. If you uh, if you want to buy any of Doctor Ray's uh, books, you can go to Amazon dot com um, and look for him speaking at some crazy sex conference in your neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you'll be, you'll be lucky enough to see it because I'm looking forward to it. I should say that the book is on you know hard copy. It's also on Kindle, and it soon will be on audiobook. We're there hoping you to go. have that out in the next couple months. Fantastic audiobooks. Audio so all right, cool, great. All right, well. Uh, I, thanks again. Well, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was really nice of him to come on the show, too. Yeah. That was, that was fun. Really, uh, fun guy. Yeah. Yeah. And we, it, 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 it gave us a chance to show off the, uh, our, our, our purple recording studio. Oh, yes. It is. Slash it, your guest room. <laughs> slash my guest room. That's right. <laughs> he didn't even comment on it. On the purple? On the purple. The purple is pretty bold. It's a bright purple it's a in bright this room. Purple. Anyway, yeah. so uh, thanks again, Dr. Ray, for coming on the show. Yeah, and thank uh, you very much. And uh, hey, everybody, that's that's a wrap. Yeah. I guess. So thanks for listening, and we will... Well, I won't be here next week. That's true. You are going out of the town. <laughs> Finally, you get to be the one who, who yeah. goes away. Beach vacation, folks, for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. In in lovely Sardinia. Sardinia, yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. All right. Food and yum yums. Yum, All yum. kinds wait. of good things. Yeah. And little right. churches. You'll have to do a church gonna, review. Oh yeah, I love 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 those little churches. And and it's such a rustic sort of low population type place all yeah. these all these it's just little towns you with have little to churches. go to a service 
Um, Promise me you'll try to go to a service on Sunday. Maybe, yeah. Your, your traveling fun. companion may not want to. You oh, have she'll to. do it. Yeah? She'll, <laughs> I'll make her do it. If not, she can just sleep in and I'll go find a, a local church. Yeah. That'd be, be great. All right. All right. Well, cool. Well, so uh, uh, join us again next week. It'll be me and, uh, and, and a surprise co-host. Yeah. And uh, okay. thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.